Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. Here we are at the end of September, and kind of a good news, bad news deal. The good news is 2020 is almost over. The bad news is 2020 is almost over. And the reason I say that is because despite this pandemic and the shutdown, Despite everything coming to a halt, businesses destroyed, nothing happening, sports not happening, you have to admit, the PGA Tour and the game of golf has been pretty darn exciting this year after the restart. If you look just at the two majors, the PGA Championship out at Harding Park in San Francisco, no fans, as we all know, but an emerging star, Colin Morikawa, hit that incredible drive on 16, which very possibly could be the shot of the season so far. That tee shot, he made eagle. He went on to win his first major championship at such a young age. I think he's won more tournaments on tour than he's missed cuts. So that's very Tiger-esque when Tiger started. But the other major championship story, had Wingfoot just a couple of weeks ago at the U.S. Open. Bryson DeChambeau just destroyed the field. He was the only player to finish under par, and that was after stating last fall that he was going to remake his body and remake his game. And I, I was probably just like everybody else, thinking, okay, there's no way. It's just you can't do it. There's no way you can take an established game. And Bryson was a great player. He was a winner at every level when the U.S. Amateur, when the NC2As, and he was going to remake everything and change his perspective on how to play the PGA Tour. I thought there's no way this is going to happen, or it's, it might happen, but it won't be very successfully. It's going to be a struggle for him to do this. He might be able to figure it out in three years, five years, but not this quick. That's what, in my mind, makes Bryson DeChambeau the story of 2020. I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll continue to, because Bryson DeChambeau is such an interesting kid I've known him since he was about 10 years old. He was a great player as a junior, as an amateur. And when he came on tour, he's a very thoughtful young man, very emotional. He really cares about the history of the game and the future of the game, where it's going. But, and Rory McIlroy said this in an interview, Bryson is doing a great job of taking advantage of the rules of the game right now. Right now, the golf ball goes out of sight. Maybe not for me and you, but certainly for the tour pros that know how to swing the club hard and hit it a long ways. And I hate to say it, but Wingfoot looked like a pitch and putt in Bryson's hands. It was really incredible. And we can talk more about the golf ball and what needs to be done. But what Bryson did at Wingfoot is incredible. In fact, this week I've been in Portland, Portland, Oregon, where I grew up. And I've been talking with a lot of friends about what he did. And whether you like it or not, you have to appreciate his perspective, and what he's doing to the game. It's almost like when Tiger came out. Nobody really could appreciate how far Tiger hit it and how strong he was and how tough he was under pressure. It was very reminiscent of back of of Ben Hogan. Whenever Tiger got into contention, he won. He dominated the other players, not only physically, but emotionally. The one thing that I've experienced in my career is that Great players always create their own atmosphere 
when they play. And that's why when you get paired with a great player and you're in contention to win any tournament, it's really hard. You almost have to ignore them. I find myself, when I first played with Jack or Arnold or Trevino or Gary, I find myself rotating between being a fan and being a tour player. I wanted to watch them because I watched them my whole life. I wanted to watch and learn, watch how they approached each tee shot, if they hit it in the rough, what they do, what kind of a thought process they had, and then around the greens. That's where tournaments are won and lost with the short game. I wanted to really understand what they were doing. And I think that's what happens when you play with a legendary player is you get caught watching rather than focusing on your own game and playing. And that's why it takes a while when you're, if you are in the Tiger era, the Davis Loves and the David Duvalls and Phil Mickelsons, when you're, when you play with Tiger a lot, you have to get used to it. You have to play with him two, three, four, five times to realize, okay, I've seen it. I've done it. Now I'm going to beat him. So it's, it's an impressive way to look at the game for Bryson DeChambeau. It's different. I'm not sure I like it, but I sure do appreciate what he's doing and how he's doing it. You've been here before, you know what to do. Keep your head on straight, don't let them get to you. With a smile on your face, get rid of that frown. Gotta suck it. I'm a sports nut, and if you're anything like me, the first thing you do every morning is grab your phone and check to see what may have happened overnight in the world of sports. But Mondays are for golf. Once the weekend is over and the golf tournaments around the world are complete, whether they're on the professional tours or in the amateur world, I know I'll find what I need on Global Golf Post. It comes to my email every Monday morning delivering everything I need to know as I dissect what happened over that weekend. It also offers insight and analysis from experienced writers and contributors who are as committed to the game as I am. And it's pretty easy to sign up. Just log on to globalgolfpost.com and you're done. And for even more great content, you can subscribe to Global Golf Post Plus, which takes a deeper dive into the world of golf, exploring the people, places, and things that makes this game we love so intoxicating. And with Global Golf Post Plus, there's no advertising. Use the promo code JAKESTAKES when you sign up to receive 30% off your monthly subscription to Global Golf Post Plus. So remember, globalgolfpost.com. It's everything you're going to need to know about this game of golf. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up. It was really great to see Phil Mickelson play on the Champions Tour back up at the Ozarks National. I think it was a Charles Schwab Cup Series. And he blew the field away, shot 61 the first round, and just dominated. He dominated with his length and with his short game. So I don't know what Phil's future is on the Champions Tour. I can speak from experience. When I won in Hartford at the age of 49, I thought I was invincible. And that's the dangerous thing about winning on tour 
late in your 40s, you think, oh, I'm still I'm still a kid. I still got it. But I hate to tell you, you don't. Phil dominated that tournament, Chuck, 61 in the first round, dominated with his length in the short game. And Phil may be able to compete on the PGA Tour. In fact, I think he still can. But I don't think he can do it week in and week out like at Rory or at DeChambeau or these young kids like Colin Morikawa. I really think that when you reach the age of 50, your skills diminish. Your flexibility goes down. Your strength goes down. And I know Phil wouldn't agree. If he were standing here right now, he'd probably punch me. But it's a fact. Father time is undefeated. But I've been so impressed with what Phil has done to maintain his flexibility and to increase his length and his strength off the tee that I do hope that he plays on the PGA Tour because he's a fan favorite. But I hope he also comes out onto the Champions Tour and plays out with the old boys, so to speak, as a rookie, a rookie at 50 years old because he can dominate out there on the Champions Tour, much like Jim Furyk has, who has played twice and now has won twice. I really wasn't paying much attention to what happened at the Pure Insurance Championship at Pebble Beach because it was the same week as the U.S. Open and I was involved in the NBC broadcast. So as you can imagine, when the tournament starts on Thursday in a major championship, if you're on the broadcast team, you're watching every minute of the telecast that you're not on. So I really didn't pay much attention to what was going on at Pebble. Had I paid attention, I would have seen that Furyk led almost, I think, from the start all the way to the end. And again, it was he jokingly said to me afterwards, and he said it to Fluff, hey, I just need to play where Peter Jacobson won with you, Fluff, because if you remember, he won the Ally Challenge at Warwick Hills, which was my first win with Fluff at the Buick Open. And then here again at Pebble Beach, I won with Fluff in the AT&T. So Furyk jokingly said to me, I just need to play where you played and where you won with Fluff. As I said to Jim, I didn't win that much, so uh, you got slim pickings from here on in. But again, Jim Furyk, it's tough when you reach 50. You still have the game to play out there, but you don't have the length. You may have the smarts. You do have the experience, and you've got the short game to compete. But I think there are a few of the tangibles that are hard to deal with. So Furyk's two for two, and I do know in talking to Fluff that they're going to play the next four champions events in a row. And I've got to think that Furyk's two for two, at the end of this four-week run, he might be six for six. Wouldn't that be something to see somebody start six for six in their champions tour career? ask me all the time now when I play in an outing or a tournament or just with friends, why do I play a yellow ball? Well, it's pretty simple, really, because I can see it. I can see the ball in flight all the way from the tee down to the landing spot, whether that's the fairway or, yeah, a fairway bunker. 
At my age now, I lose the white ball in flight. When Srixon first started making the Z-Star yellow ball, and they put it in my locker, it was to hand out to my amateur partners in the Pro-Am. And I was thinking, I'm not going to play this ball. I'm going to play the white ball. But when they put it in play, I could see their ball. And I immediately thought, what in the heck? I could see that ball. And believe me, when you lose sight of the ball in flight and you don't know where it lands, it kind of takes a little bit of the fun away. So what I did right then, I switched to the yellow ball. I started playing it in the Pro-Ams. And eventually I started playing it in the tournament. Whenever you switch to a new ball, you're always worried about how that ball is going to fit in with what you do how it affects your game, and I play it because it does everything I need it to do. I always think about proper spin, the proper trajectory, and the maneuverability of the shot. With the Strixon Z-Star yellow ball, I can curve it left or right, hit it high or low, and it has that perfect amount of spin that I need for my game. It's been about 10 years now since I put that ball in play, and I've never looked back. It's yellow for me for the rest of my career. It's a jungle. I was asked a question this week when I was in Portland visiting family and friends. Somebody asked me about what it takes to win major championships. We were talking about DeChambeau and Colin Morikawa and Tiger and Rory and Jordan Spieth. What does it take? Does it take talent or does it take confidence? And that's a really tough question to answer. I think it's a, it's probably a combination of both. I think to get on tour and to be in that situation, you have to have talent. You, you don't just show up out there, tee it up, and be in the final group at Augusta National in the Masters or in the PGA Championship. So, yes, talent is a given. That goes, that goes without without talking about it but there are a lot of players that have that talent that when they get into that situation do they have that mental toughness that confidence that deep down inside belief that they are there to win they are there to win a major championship I don't have to tell you about all the players that have gotten there close and didn't win I had my chances to win but I never did Fortunately, I did win a couple of Champions Tour majors. It isn't considered to be a big major on the PGA Tour, but at least I, I got right there to the gate and I didn't buck. I, I answered the bell. But unfortunately, when you play the Tour and the Champions Tour, you probably have a lot more misses than makes in terms of winning tournaments coming down the stretch. So I think that it's an interesting thing for me to watch whether I'm playing in the event, whether I'm just watching at home or I'm doing the broadcast. It's interesting to see in different players' eyes when the cameras get up close, do they look like they belong there? Do they look like they think they belong there? Or do they look like they're a fish out of water? I've seen both looks. And when you look at Nicholas, you look at Trevino, you look at Palmer, you look at Woods, you look at Furyk, you look at Mickelson, you know that they think they are the cream of the crop, they belong there, and they are going to win. Now, you don't win all the time, but when you look at the major champions and the list of their victories, you pretty much agree that those guys that have won multiple majors, 
they've got not only the talent, not only the confidence, but the belief that they are better than everybody in the field. So what I would tell a young player coming up, whether you're playing professional golf or playing at an amateur level, it's more about confidence and believing in yourself. Go sit in your bathroom and go stare in the mirror and look deep into your eyes and ask yourself, do I have it? Can I hang with the best? Can I be the best? That was one thing that I did early on in my career, thanks to my good friend, sports psychologist Chuck Hogan. He asked me that question, and it took me a while to really come to the answer. And that's when I started winning on the PGA Tour. Again, I didn't win that much, but I did win seven times out there. And I had to ask that question of myself, and I had to answer it. So again, no matter where you're playing, at what level, whatever handicap, do you believe that you belong, and do you believe that you can win? Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?